0: This episode of No Wrong Answers is brought to you by Teach for America Kansas City, which believes teachers deserve to be celebrated and their voices elevated. Find out how you can join their movement of passionate educators in Kansas City by going to teachforamerica.org or find us on Twitter at TFA underscore KC or on Instagram at tfa_kc.
1: Facebook posts get students and teachers in trouble. We talk about social media etiquette in a world where you can't assume anything won't be seen publicly. Plus, what makes a good and bad teacher? Reddit users have their ideas. (laughs) Do our teachers agree? Plus, it's summertime. Do you have a summer job lined up yet? Those topics. Plus, because there's no school, teachers these days. On this episode of the No Wrong Answers podcast. Welcome to No Wrong Answers, the weekly podcast that gives you a teacherly take on the world. I'm your host, Kyle Palmer. I'm a former teacher turned public radio journalist, and I'm joined, as always, by a group of hardworking teachers who are all off for the summer, but they're still ready to talk. So let's introduce them. Luanne Fox, what do you teach?
0: Hi there. I teach high school English.
1: Elaine Jordan, what do you teach? Eighth grade math. And David Muhammad, what do you teach? High School International Relations and Economics. Well, thank you all three for taking some time out of your busy summers to come to the studio and record this episode. All three of them are public school teachers in the Kansas City Metro. Let's get to it. We have touched upon the challenges and pitfalls that teachers face when dealing with social media in schools before. Can... Often be an intense source of bullying. It's also something that can distract kids in class and throughout the school day. A couple of stories from this past week involving social media, in particular Facebook posts, caught my eye, and I wanted to get our teacher's response. One involves high school students set to go to college, the other involves a middle school teacher on a class trip to Washington, D.C. Let's start with the students first. Harvard has rescinded offers of admission to at least 10 incoming freshmen who participated in a private Facebook group that exchanged racist and sexually offensive memes. That private Facebook group was an offshoot of an official group set up for the Harvard class of 2021 and moderated by Harvard officials. The offshoot group in which the offensive memes were posted at one point, according to the student newspaper, The Crimson, had more than 100 members. They called themselves at various times the General F-ups and Harvard memes for horny bourgeois teens. Again, The Crimson reports that some of the images uh, made jokes about sexual assault and the Holocaust, made racist comments about Hispanics, mocked the death of children. One incoming Harvard student who had been part of the official Facebook group and then told the Crimson Herd Mission offer had not been rescinded, described the offshoot group as seeming to have the mentality, quote, this was a just because we got into Harvard doesn't mean we can't still have fun kind of thing. Well, our teachers, we have two high school teachers. We have a middle school teacher who used to be a high school teacher. So these conversations are are very much relevant, right, about what you post on social media, what consequences can they have, Um I guess, first of all, are you surprised that Harvard took the step of rescinding admission um, for these students?
2: Um, I, I wasn't. I think that at this time, day and time, I think that Harvard was stepping out as a leader. There's been a lot of issues with social media, uh, distasteful type of, of posts. And I think that since Harvard is a leader in education, they looked at themselves as um, in, a, in a position of, of setting forth High standards.
1: Do you guys have conversations with, um, especially uh, um, Luann and David? You teach high mm-hmm. school seniors, mm-hmm. se- uh, students who are applying for college. Do you have conversations with them about um, what they should and should not post on social media?
0: Yes, and I know our counselors do as well. Um, students are always advised about being um, careful about their presence on social media.
1: Yeah. Do you get? Any, do you ever get any pushback from students?
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've had students try to say, "Well, it's I have freedom of speech and I can say what I want." Um, I had one moment where a student said, well, the president can post what, what he wants so I can say whatever I want, uh, which I, I had no return for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what we – the, st- the conversations I've had with students have ranged in the idea of what you put out there represents you and would you want someone uh, to see this five years later or stumble across this or potentially keep you from being able to get a position of, of employment um and I, and I think that sometimes you have to you have to give students that a moment of time to be defensive. But then after that, take it to a human level. It's just difficult because social media happens so fast and with new platforms like Snapchat where they they feel like, well, it can be deleted in 24 hours. They don't necessarily understand um, that. Yeah, they, they stay one step ahead of, of many of us adults, but then they put their guards down. And we catch up, right? So I think that they have to recognize that um, even though it's happening
1: fast and that it can potentially go away, anything you put out there can come back. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this story involves Facebook, which almost in the realm of social media now is almost. Ancient. Like, yeah, I (laughs) mean, it's it's akin to a 45 record anymore. I mean, Snapchat is kind of Mm -hmm. the thing that has displaced it. Do students have the same attitude towards? Uh, Snapchat as they do or Facebook or do they see it as something that's a little bit more less less able to be monitored by adults like you suggested David
2: yeah but you know what's interesting is that we just had an incident at the school I teach at about a week ago where um, some students posted something that was raci- racially offensive and their post on Snapchat was screenshot and sent to my sent to me, which I sent to the principal, and so it's there's ways around all of this. Stuff. Was it
1: sent to you by a student? Yeah. yeah, another
2: student who was offended by it sent it to me and and let wanted to know
1: what what could be done. Uh, an uh, online researcher, well, she researches online data, but she was quoted in an NPR article about this story about these Harvard students getting their admissions rescinded, and she said. Um, students have a lack of awareness of the consequences of harmful messages that are put online the students say things like, "It's not real. It goes away." Mm. So, do you see that in your students? Do they do they look at what they post on social media different from what they say out loud in a school building? And you're all not in your head yet. I think delay. with middle
3: Absolutely. school, especially, um, mm. they feel really emboldened on mm. social media, and they say things they would never say. And honestly, I think a lot of times they don't even think mm. on social media because it's sensational, and they're chasing the likes.
1: Right. Yes. And and, yeah. and so I mean, you're mm. saying the more sensational i.e. offensive you mm-hmm. can be, the more people will see it, and that's a good thing. Exactly, yeah, because then they
3: know your name, and or they're like, watch your YouTube channel yeah, and right. check out what crazy stunt you're doing, like that cinnamon challenge, and yeah. or, <laughs> Lord knows what else. Um, and it's to the point, too, where they are so... Uh, That's what I'm looking for. They're so connected to each other all the time, you know, that we're like, okay, you're not using Facebook at school, you're not using Twitter at school, but they'll just create their own Google Classrooms through our Google Classroom portals, and they have their own little private chats going on all day.
2: But what's scary, what's so interesting about it is, like, they'll do that and say things that are offensive towards each other on social media and on GroupMe, and then in person act like none of that's never happened right i've Mm -hmm. seen really offensive things or heard about really offensive things said between each other and then the students are sitting next to each other in class and it's like it it, it doesn't seem to have to them it is
1: a different world Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like
2: i said compartmentalize it it. right and it's not it's like a video game right like i because i died in this video game i didn't die in real life right Mm -hmm. so that's kind of this this separation from like society luann
0: i was thinking about that all the time that you were talking i was thinking um it's not to excuse the students, but um, I don't know that they have as much hate as they want to come across as having because I mm-hmm. think it is about being sensational. It's about being um, – um, I can be the, the the receiver of the most attention right now, and so can you top that? How can you top this? Right.
1: Um, so like mm-hmm. when I read about you know an 18-year-old kid posting something about – making a joke about the Holocaust or making a joke about um, sexually molesting a, a young child – like, what should I, what you know, what should be my interpretation? Of this is just, you know, someone who is chasing sensationalism, or is there something really wrong with this Both. kid? I,
0: yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, well, I, personally, I think that person understands that he's gonna get a response that's going to be like I can't believe you said that and that's what that's what's driving the person it's right. the I can't I, I don't think the person necessarily says something that um, he might really believe but it's just the I'm going to get the attention back of I can't believe you said that and what you know and and just and just the argument we have such right. an argument culture that it's almost like they grow up expecting that it's not normal to them if there's just not some argument in some right. form that they're hashing out on social and media we have
2: sh- shows that make people rich that are based around reading twitter posts and showing instagram videos like .O and tmz like they highlight crazy stuff that people do on social media so kids see that constantly and they're like well oh this is my way to get out there you know Mm -hmm. they say the craziest thing and and it's like even if people don't like you like okay i think about the rebecca black song you know Friday from years ago Mm -hmm. people hated it but they still watched it and it made her rich right so Mm -hmm. like I think that that's the thing is that I'll take those consequences if it's going to get me here
3: do your students use the whisper app is that big at your school so it's it's, you can just post it's kind of like do you remember post secret
2: yeah. Yik-yak. Okay. Yeah. Yik yak. Like Very Yik-yak. similar to
3: yeah. yik yak, um, and you can tag it then with your school, mm-hmm. and so that's where we're seeing like really bonkers things coming out is in the whisper app because you don't know who it came from. But then there's all this buzz like, who do you think it was about? Right. Who posted it?
0: What did that's they scary. say? And what the students don't understand is that it's always about yeah. someone. I mean, just because it's not about them, it's it's about someone, and I, right. um, it's it just comes back to. Teaching more empathy to students, and, and students could benefit from from learning more.
1: Well, let's go to another story about a questionable Facebook post. This time by a teacher, mm-hmm. according to the Kansas City Star, a middle school teacher from Warrensburg, Missouri, which is just about an hour south southeast of where No Wrong Answers tapes in Kansas City, got into some hot water recently after posting to his Facebook profile a shot of him back towards the camera, both arms raised high in the air, flipping off the White House. A crude gesture, no doubt. What makes the situation dicier still for the teacher in question, who is unnamed in the article, is that the incident took place while the teacher was leading a class trip to Washington, D.C. According to the Star, the Warrensburg superintendent had received a large amount of calls and emails about this post after a parent reposted the image on his own Facebook account with a scolding message that said in part... Quote, I couldn't believe that a teacher that was trusted to take middle school students to Washington, D.C. on a school trip would actually stand in front of the White House and flip it off and tell the students this is freedom of speech. The superintendent did say the teacher's case was being reviewed to see if it violated a district policy, but did make clear the trip was not a school-sponsored trip. It was one made through a private company. He also told the star that the teacher does have a constitutional right to free speech. So, my teachers, you're shaking your heads. Um, should this teacher be disciplined for what he did?
3: No, I don't think he should be disciplined. Um, technically, didn't violate a policy, but it was in poor taste. So I think he needs to do something to make it right with his students and parents, or they're going to be watching for him to actually break a rule and then use that as grounds, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah I, he should. I Yeah, I agree with Elaine. I mean, he should he should do or say something that would indicate that he's at least trying to be reflective about it. I mean, that was kind of rash. And it was really in poor judgment um, to do that and to do that around students. Yeah. yeah,
1: David.
2: Yeah, I think he just he has to realize he's a public figure. He's a role model, you know, and even if they weren't students from his own district, they were students nonetheless. And, um, you know, what what you do has repercussions when you're in that position. Um, and even if you don't agree with some authority figure, what are you teaching these kids by doing that? Like, whenever you disagree with someone's viewpoints or their position, you can act however you want. So, uh, and we all know what that hand signal means. (laughs) You know, it it implies a lot more. So uh, I think definitely it was in poor taste, and he needs to show some kind of remorse.
1: So, I mean, in the same way that we just were talking about kids certainly needing to be mindful of what they put on social media as teachers what goes through your mind when you're when you're posting something or about to post something on your social media accounts
0: I'm I'm mindful of the audience Um, I'm I'm always aware that you know it's a public voice and how is that public voice going to be uh, received. So I always uh, try to keep that in mind. I, I do post things that I do as a private person, um, and I can legally enjoy some beverages, and sometimes I, I like to do that, but I don't ever post pictures or use language that um, mm-hmm. would ever, I think, uh, make anybody question my fitness uh, to, to talk to students. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: I think it's also important to separate if you're using um, like Instagram or Twitter or Facebook for your class, that should be completely separate from your personal profile. Not that students can't still see that information, but um, it worries me sometimes when people mix both together. Like in our district, we're encouraged to use Twitter because that's a high, a good way to get a good uh, technology score on your evaluation. But there are teachers who retweet things that are politically controversial. And I just have to wonder, is that their, an appropriate their, use of your professional accounts Twitter that account? are, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, our podcast today is sponsored by Teach for America Kansas City, which believes one day all children will have the opportunity to attain an excellent education. You can make an immediate impact on that mission in Kansas City. To find out how, visit teachforamerica.org or find them on Twitter at TFA underscore KC and on Instagram at TFAKC. Well, we all have pretty clear memories, both of teachers we liked growing up and teachers maybe we didn't like. And those memories oftentimes go a long way towards forming our adult conceptions of what makes a good teacher and what makes a bad teacher. As Education Week reported earlier this month, a group of researchers from Concordia University in Canada tried to put some real analytical weight behind these often vague conceptions of so-called good and bad teachers. And this is what the researchers did. They examined some 600 Reddit discussion threads posted between 2009 and 2015 that reflected commenters' explanations for the best and worst teachers they had growing up. Redditors are anonymous, so the researchers assumed posts on Reddit would be more honest than posts on, say, Facebook or Twitter. Twitter where users are typically not anonymous. Still, the researchers noted a pretty big caveat. Nearly three-quarters of Redditors are males under 35, so there might be honesty in exchange for a pretty unbalanced survey group. Mm -hmm. Still, teachers described as best were often most cited for their intelligence or how well they knew their given field. They were noted for being dedicated. Somewhat contradictorily, best teachers were often just as often cited for being easygoing and strict but fair. The worst teachers, most often cited for just not putting in any effort, being lazy, not trying. That was the most common sentiment. Also, incompetent or unknowledgeable and unfair, prone to anger and condescending. Also, maybe with a grain of salt, the worst teachers were described in physically unattractive terms. <laughs> uh, you know where this is coming from, Reddit. Um, but I guess for, for the teachers here today... Um, Do you have conceptions of what makes a good or bad teacher, or do you find these categories, this dichotomy, um, harmful even? Um, Let's first start with the first question. What's a a good teacher and a bad teacher in your mind?
0: I think a good teacher is always going to to push himself or herself and learn more than the year before, Um, be both reflective but then also sort of forward-thinking. And I I think a, a teacher who could stand a lot of improvement is one who just coasts, you know, and, and doesn't do either of those things.
1: <laughs> like, so you're still not calling them the worst teacher. So the, te- the teacher most in need of improvement. <laughs> so you have a more we're sort of, view we're of, sort it.
0: of Kyle, we're sort of conditioned to do that, though, yeah, right. you know, as teachers. Yeah.
3: The striving teachers, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of ways to be a good teacher. There's a lot of different ways that that can look. Um, but I, I definitely have some things that stand out to me as bad teachers. And one thing I do agree with with the Reddit, information is unfair, um, I know some teachers, I've worked with some teachers who just hold um, just biases against certain groups of students, and they're not willing to examine those biases in light of the individuals sitting in front of them. And that, in my mind, makes a bad teacher.
2: Hmm. Yeah, David. Yeah, I think uh, it's tough because most of the, the characteristics we say make a good teacher or a bad teacher are based upon soft skills. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, there's not like a, you know, like it's a doctor, like where you can look at the percentages of you know, adequate surgeries they've performed or whatever. Like, teachers, you, you're you going to have some misses. There's Even the best teacher is going to have a bad day or a batch of students where they feel like, I did not relay that information well. There's, it for on an hour-to-hour basis, like, mm-hmm. some classes, I'm like, okay, first hour of the day, this, you're like my guinea pigs. Uh-huh. And then my, like, third hour, I it's like, feel I bad got for this first down. Hour. <laughs> but then my seventh hour, I'm like, I'm dead. And I don't, you know, it's just like, it's tough. It's really tough to determine a good or bad teacher. I think the best teachers are the best students. You know, we're lifelong students and we're always constantly evolving and, you know, having these discussions with ourselves about, you know, what do I need to do to become a better? And I think that's
1: what makes a good teacher is constantly evolving. Yeah. Do you feel I – mean, so there are, like, certain – like cultural assumptions, right, about good teachers, bad teachers. We see it reflected in movies, right. You know, great teachers like Dead Poets Society. There was even a movie called Bad Teacher. Uh, we've talked about Dead Poets Society before, right? But
0: she is a bad teacher. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: do you do you feel like that? Even that that dichotomy of good bad, bad teacher is 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 harmful that like the the yes. bad teachers like you said luann are still people who could improve you know like there's there, there there's room for growth and they're not mm-hmm. just necessarily bad teachers
0: well if 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 the reason they became teachers was because they want to you know to help another generation become you know a, join the citizenry and become literate uh, i think that's that's great if their reasoning is um for something different and um, probably not David, you
1: said there was, there's kind of something harmful to the dichotomy of good-bad teacher.
0: Yeah, I mean,
2: I think the, f- the problem is that we, we put the, the judgment and it becomes based on whether they like you or not, right? Like
1: it's not... Whether the students like right, you. Right, the yeah. students
2: like you or the parents mm-hmm. like you or other teachers like you, you know? And that being liked could be the fact that you're the head basketball coach. That being liked could be the fact that you're young, you know, and it has absolutely nothing to do with your ability to educate. Um, and I feel like um, we're setting up a generation who don't understand, one, a respect of authority, but two, the, uh, the separation of your emotional views of someone in a position and recognizing their skill set. Um, like, I don't—my doctor is a good doctor because of what they do, not whether I get along with them and I want to go hang out with them. I, like, nobody judges any other major profession on— those skills and i think Luann disagrees Luanne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: but you understand what i mean well, well, saying. well what, what are you thinking Luann?
0: well I, I, I don't know how much off topic this actually is but i mean i have a, a real example of um, taking my taking before my dog passed taking w- my dog to this vet and um New vet had come in, and the the vet was very didn't have a good bedside manner, and uh, didn't have a great understanding of uh, my love for my pet or whatever. And I thought, okay, one bad day, and then um, we went in again because the dog was in dire need. We thought she'd had cancer at one point, and. Um, the, the vet was uh, not likable at all, and I came home, and I was a mess, and I found another vet who could have a better bedside manner and True. and True. and still have that same kind of knowledge. So, mm-hmm. you know, just with that example in the background, it was like, you know, I, I gave my business, which ended up being a lot of dollars to a whole other entity based on mm-hmm. uh, emotional
1: So you're saying a teacher's effects. bedside manner, as it were, sometimes is... It's well, something that, that that should be assessed or well, they judged. Say, on.
0: Well, they say, you know, there's that proverb that says, you know, students don't um, care what you know right. until they know that you care. Right. And I think I think that's true. But but to David's point, I mean, there is something in our culture that that kids are growing up with today that probably we didn't. And I know my parents generation didn't. And you did not have to love all of your teachers in order to know that you were there to learn. You, right. you learned that school was about. Learning And it was about, you know, trying to to get somewhere. And if you could have a good time while doing it, that was that was great. And it was wonderful to relate to people. But we also kind of went to the school with the knowledge that we weren't going to relate to everybody in the planet. And it was okay if we didn't like everybody. We were still there to learn right. because that was the primary goal.
1: With this Reddit survey, there were some other patterns that emerged. Bearing in mind, of course, Redditors, mostly male, mostly young, teachers in the best category – According to these Reddit posts that were analyzed, the best teachers were mostly male, um, while the worst teachers were mostly female. Most of the best teachers, 69%, taught high school. The worst teachers, 36% taught elementary school, 45% taught high school. Um, Are there cultural biases in what we see as good teaching and bad teaching? Do do things kind of filter into what students assume means a good teacher and a bad teacher?
2: I think we have to look at positions of authority in society. Positions of authority are tend to be given to males um, yeah, at that white males. And when you go into the education field, administration tends to be white males. And so I, that kind of establishes the norm. You know, even you you in your mind, when you picture elementary school in kindergarten, you think female motherly type of teacher. And then you think high school and collegiate, you think this male with a blazer and or your coach, right? And, where do you tend to develop more of your long-term uh, mindsets and biases is when you become into, go into secondary education, you know, when you become a teenager. So I think that locks that in, even though we – so we, we begin to have a bias against middle school and elementary and think, well, they're not really teaching or they're just playing or it's just, you know, the, the nice – Lady next door, who was the teacher, whereas that man changed my life and that coach mm-hmm. changed my life. And look at ESPN, and you know, the president of you could be the president of the United States if you're a man, and like you know, like all this type of stuff that re identifies what we see as societies being the leading figures. And so, your biggest, highest paying jobs tend to be led by males, and school is that avenue. So, that's where their whole respect,
0: thing yeah. goes
1: Elaine, Luann, what are your thoughts? Do you see biases? In- what's judged as good teaching?
3: Absolutely. The one that I see most personal, well, there's a few of these I see personally, but one that sticks out to me is going from teaching high school to teaching middle school. Which
1: you've done before. Which I've done
3: before. And um, a lot of people see it as a demotion. They don't understand (laughs) why you would go from teaching high school to teaching middle school. It's almost as if you're in the grade that you teach or in the class that you teach. So like teachers who teach honors or advanced classes are seen as smarter and better teachers than teachers who teach the most remedial classes, when in fact, you need your best teachers teaching your students that need the most support. Mm -hmm. But if you look at how schools are structured, that's often not the case. It's your newest, most inexperienced teachers in that setting.
1: There's like Mm -hmm. an unsated assumption that if you teach the lower grades, you teach the not as smart as you are. Absolutely. Yeah. I
3: mean, I would say say that middle school people would look at elementary school people sometimes and be like, oh, please, like you have recess, (laughs) like you just play. When in fact, like, that's the foundation for everything. All those gripes we have as middle and high school teachers start when they're that small
0: <laughs> it's so funny because all the elementary teachers i know and the ones i meet i'm like i could not do what you do mm. but it's because i could not do what mm-hmm. you do right. those kinds of kids would drive me crazy i'm like why don't you know shakespeare uh because i'm sick <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean it's it's that kind of thing but then a lot of the elementary teachers will yeah. say well i couldn't teach the big ones because absolutely. oh my god all that attitude uh,
1: you know. luann do do female teachers get treated differently i know you have some thoughts about this oh uh,
0: yeah i absolutely believe so um in what ways um well, you know, if you speak with, you know, definition, you speak sort of um, clearly, authoritatively, um, that those are seen as masculine traits. So when that comes out of a woman, then, of course, she might get uh, words applied to her that uh, aren't, aren't necessarily true. But if you if you just would know for a fact that that came out of a coach, if that came out of, uh, you know, a male teacher, that that, that would be considered strength. You've butted up against absolutely. that before. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Normally we end our episodes with a segment we call Kids These Days. Our teachers tell us about the things trending among their students. It's hard to do that in the summer when our teachers don't have any kids to teach, at least not at the moment. So for now, at least we're modifying Kids These Days to, I guess, Teachers These Days. Mm -hmm. That is what's trending with you. What are you into as you kind of kick back a little bit for the summer?
3: Okay, I have two. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's that's perfectly fine. The first one is the Brilliant app. Are you guys familiar with it? Mm -hmm. It's awesome. They have. I love puzzles. And so they have a bunch of different visual puzzles, a new one comes out each day, and they have additional ones on their website if you, get, if you exhaust the um, options on the app. But anyway, I'm having a lot of fun with those. <laughs> and then I also read The Art of Strategy, which is all about game theory, and I'm excited to uh, try my hand at auctions. Now knowing more about game theory than I did before, I feel like this could potentially you... be how I make my teacher money. I was like, wait, so
1: are you going to try auctions... In real life or in your classroom? Real life auctions. Oh, so gonna... Yeah,
3: yeah. I'm gonna teach a little bit of game theory to we are in implementing this seminar thing, so I'll do some of it with them. But I wanna go for real and see if I can apply the principles nice. in the books.
1: Oh, whoa. Yeah. All right, expanding your mind, mm-hmm. keeping it sharp <laughs> because you also have been on maternity leave so That's you haven't right. you haven't taught for several months That's so you true. need
3: to I hope I remember how yeah.
1: <laughs> um Luann, what are what are you into these um, days?
0: Well, I've been challenging myself to do more spoken word events around the community, mm-hmm. so um I've been getting up and uh speaking to adults um Uh, at open mics and um, I'm practicing my own storytelling uh, because I know I work with students and have them do do that. So I'm trying to challenge myself that way. So I'm uh, writing uh, in that vein. Um, Second thing I'm doing is I'm trying to get um, a couple pieces of professional writing um, finalized that Mm -hmm. have been in the hopper for a while. And um, I'm hoping to to get a much wider audience for that soon.
1: David, what are you into these days? Um, Well, along with recording my music, if you want yes, to Yes, you are professional. Uh, yeah,
2: I've been actually, my, my wife is working on her, um, her book. She has two poetry books that she's trying to get published, and she's recording a compilation of some of them um, in the studio to a CD, so that's been really exciting, and she actually just, did a writer's place she was one of the future poets there um and then i'm i really enjoy cutting grass like it's like therapeutic. <laughs> right. um, so the chances really i get to do it you know it's kind of it's calming i put in my headphones and it's just i've been enjoying doing that <laughs> you
1: really enjoy cutting
2: grass yeah i hated yeah. it as a child and when you have your own lawn it's different
3: like so. naps yeah, naps you, are good. <laughs> <laughs> you hated naps as a kid. Now you like naps, no, it's like yeah. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we
1: are all getting older because so I really enjoy naps too. <laughs> well, that will do it for this episode of No Wrong Answers. We should say Teach for America, Kansas City, is the underwriter, but No Wrong Answers retains total editorial control. What our teachers say are their personal opinions, which may not reflect the official policies of the schools and districts they work for. We should also say, since it's summer. We will not be doing episodes as frequently for the next month or so. We still, though, want to give you some things to listen to and ponder in our feed. So keep checking back in the coming weeks. We hope to... Bring you some of our greatest hits of the past few months, conversations we've had since the start of January. We think we're particularly memorable and that still have relevance to teachers and kids. So look for that later this summer, and fresh panel discussions of our teachers will begin towards the start of this coming school year. Like us at Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Just search for the No Wrong Answers podcast by Fountain City Frequency. Find us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Once you find us, subscribe, and leave us a review. It helps. There are no other podcasts like ours giving you a t- teacherly take on the world. If you've enjoyed the conversation you've heard, subscribe, leave us a review, and keep that conversation going. Thanks to our teachers this week, Ann Fox, Elaine Jordan, David Muhammad. Thanks as always to Matt Hodap, who produces the podcast. Thank you to KCUR 89.3, Kansas City Public Radio, where we tape. I'm Kyle Palmer. Remember, kids, be nice to your teachers.